Good morning, everyone. How are you this morning? Good. Well, this is not an unfamiliar text of Scripture. I'm sure you've heard this story before. A few uh, weeks ago, I received a cartoon from a friend of mine, a Lutheran pastor. They're a little irreverent, and uh, I thought you might enjoy this. This is uh, one way that this story is depicted. Baby Jesus at bath time. (laughs) there's a story of a buddhist monk who thought he could improve his chances of enlightenment by doing it on his own so he said goodbye to his brothers at the temple and he took a ferry across the river and he went up the hillside and into a cave and he spent the next 25 years of his life seeking enlightenment on his own And finally, one day he emerged from the cave and he stretched out his arms as if he were waking from a long sleep. And he walked down the hillside and to the water and without even pausing to test the temperature of the water, he started to walk across the river. And on the other side from the temple, there were two monks that were down at the river doing the wash. And one of them looked up and said, who's that? And the other one responded, that is the brother who left 25 years ago to seek enlightenment. Look at him now. And the other monk said, well, that's too bad. I mean, it's $3 to take the ferry. 25 years? You're going to spend your life doing that? If you do a Google search on walking on water, you will find that this story has inspired countless other stories. People overcoming grief or disabilities or disasters. There's a Christian surf camp that's entitled Walking on Water. There's a movie about an Israeli intelligence officer who is assigned to befriend the grandchildren of an ex-Nazi war criminal following the suicide of his own wife. An impossible task. In fact, walking on water is a euphemism that is an expression of any impossible task. I don't know if you've seen the movie recently, The Shack, but uh, a couple months ago I went with, with my wife to that movie with all of those who went to Israel last year from the church, and we watched the movie together. It's based on a novel by Paul Young, and there are several images in that movie, much like the one you saw earlier. In that movie, it's depicting Mackenzie going for a walk with Jesus. Jesus walks right down to the dock, past the canoes, and says to Mac, after you. Mac says, you're kidding, right? I thought we were going for a walk, not a swim. We are, says Jesus. I just thought going across the lake would take less time than going around it. Come on, Mac, if Peter can do it. Mac laughed more out of nervousness than anything. To be sure, he asked one more time, you want me to walk on the water to the other side. That's what you're saying, right? You're a quick one, Mac. Nobody's going to slide anything past you, that's for sure, writes Young. Come on, it's fun. Jesus laughed. Mac's impossible task is trying to overcome 
the grief and the sadness he feels at the death of his youngest daughter, who was abducted and killed in a horrible way. Only God can help him. Now, we all have our own impossible tasks in life, things that we feel are just beyond our capabilities. None of us is spared adversity in life. The human experience involves the struggle to stay above the surface of our own circumstances. We can feel lost in a sea of uncertainty. We may be struggling with uncertainty about the future, or we may be struggling with regrets from the past. We may struggle with some grief at a huge loss in our lives, and we think we'll never heal. We may be struggling with loneliness that will never go away. We may worry about our finances, wondering whether our finances are going to remain long enough for our lives. We may wonder about our student loan debt or our health. We struggle with depression or whatever it is. Whatever circumstances that feel like they're about to overwhelm you, it makes you feel like you're sinking. And it makes you feel like you're doing everything you can to keep your head above water. Occasionally, when I'm channel surfing, looking for something to watch on television, I come across the Weather Channel, and they have periodically the show Storm Stories. Have you ever seen this? Uh, dramatic video of people caught in nature's most violent storms, right? Apparently, it's entertaining enough to be a television show. And usually, you don't have to be very entertaining, apparently, to be a television show these days. (laughs) But usually, the footage on these storm stories shows some reporter out there standing braced against this violent wind with trees and signs blowing everywhere and reporting from the scene. Well, the Bible has its own storm stories, and here's one of them. The most famous, of course, is the, is the story of Noah's Ark. You might remember the story of Jonah, who was running from God and the responsibilities that he had to go to Nineveh, and he found himself caught in this kind of frightening storm aboard another ship, and finally those on the ship realize he's the problem, so they dump him overboard, and it quiets the storm. For Noah and for Jonah... The storm is an image of God's anger unleashed. But those stories are different than this one in Matthew. Here, Matthew, in Matthew, uh, Peter and the disciples are struggling against a storm in obedience to Jesus. In Jonah, as soon as the crew throws him overboard, the storm is quieted, and we tend to think that The storms arise in our lives because we've done something to bring them on ourselves. Now, the fact is, sometimes we do. But the storms have little to do with God's anger. When difficulties arise, we wonder what we did wrong. Why is God angry with me? And we want to believe that we have control over all aspects of our lives. If we just correct whatever it is we've done wrong, then we can still this storm. We can make it right. 
The fury then will cease. Our health will return or the winds of grief and loss will be quieted. But today's story in Matthew's gospel doesn't place the disciples straining against a storm and an angry God. The disciples are obediently rowing throughout the night to the other side of the lake, and Jesus was the one who sent them there. And then Jesus from afar, not unaware of what they're going through, and that is really important, not unaware of what they're going through, comes walking to them across the water in the early morning hours. Such an unexpected approach, and it leaves them remarkably terrified. And when we're frightened beyond telling in life, we may just find the Lord coming to us too, and it may be in the most unexpected and surprising ways. Now, many of the commentators on this passage that I read this week in preparation for the sermon, they spend an inordinate amount of effort to try and explain the miracle of walking on water. One of them even suggests, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> one of them even suggests that it was really a shallow shoal, and it was just a perception. And some way we need to explain in ordinary terms this extraordinary story, but it misses the miracle of the story. Matthew's much less interested in the supernatural here. The real point of the story is Jesus came toward them and said, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. Dale Bruner, a New Testament scholar, says that is the point of the story. It is I. It's the same construction that John's gospel uses when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's the same construction that's used in Genesis. When in Exodus, Moses is struggling, right? He's before the burning bush and God is saying, I want you to go to Pharaoh and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And Moses says, well, who am I supposed to say is sending me? I am is sending you. I'm the one who is. I'm the Holy One, the God of all creation. It is I. Don't be afraid. We're not spared life's stories and storms. But you see, in a life, it's never the storm outside you, but the decay within you that topples the tree, and we have the ability to choose. To choose how we're going to live our lives and which powers we're going to seek to obey. Like the disciples in that boat, disciples throughout history have been straining at the oars of life, tossed about like a little rowboat on a storm-ravaged sea called history. Like the disciples in that boat, Churches today wonder whether they're going to survive. Are we going to survive this period of history, these ideological differences, these financial storms that beset us? 
Even churches can have that sinking feeling that they're not going to survive all the divisions and splintering and the apathy in the surrounding culture. It's an enduring image of the church huddled together in a small boat in the midst of a storm, straining against terrible odds and hoping to be rescued by their Lord. And then actually frightened when they are. The climax of the story in Matthew's gospel, and Matthew's the only one, I mean, there are three gospels that tell this story, but Matthew's the only one that tells the story of Peter getting out of the boat. And that's what's unusual here is Peter's request. But I, I got to tell you, I love the spirit of that request. Peter wants to see what is possible in the present moment. Now, if you're like me, I spend so much time thinking about the past, caught in the past, worried about something I did or said or wondering whether I handled that correctly. Or, you know, I, I, I either live in the past or I live in the future and I'm anxious and I'm fearful about what might happen and how to avoid that and what to do about that. Rarely am I in the present moment. My mother has Alzheimer's disease. That's all she has left, the present moment. But you can engage with her in that present moment if you don't talk about the past or the future. I love Peter's spirit here. This spirit of discovery in the present moment and what is possible leads to every discovery in medicine, in space exploration, in technology, you have to be willing to risk failure to find out what's possible. And Peter is a wonderful example of that in the scripture. He is full of feats like this and failures like this. He is full of faith and he's full of unbelief, just like you and me. But he's willing to try something that he's never tried before in the present moment when Jesus commands him, come. He has the courage to step out of that boat. But then he begins to lose his nerve when he looks around him. And he looks at the circumstances that he cannot control. And he finds himself with that sinking feeling in the midst of that storm that he has no power over. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he allows fear to rise within him as he's sinking. Fear is not real. Danger is very real. But fear is an illusion. It's in our imagination. It causes us to worry about things that don't exist in the present and they may never exist. Danger is real. Fear is a choice. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's analysis of this text and Peter's response is classic. He writes these words. Peter had to leave the ship and risk his life on the sea in order to learn both his own weakness and the almighty power of his Lord. If Peter had not taken that risk, he would never have learned the meaning of faith. 
And the road to faith passes through obedience to the call of Jesus. Unless a definite step is taken, the call vanishes into thin air. And if people imagine that they can follow Jesus without taking this step, they're deluding themselves. End quote. Maybe you have a sinking feeling this morning. You might feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of your own life. Well, this is a story about the faithful followers of Jesus who nevertheless became overwhelmed by circumstances and began to sink beneath their own fears and their own despair. But it's also a story about the Lord Jesus Christ and his steadying hand delivering God's grace and rescuing them and stilling the storm. And then he says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? It's not so much chastising them and he doesn't say it before he rescues them. Oh, you have little faith. You know, pull your faith together. You won't be sinking. No. He rescues them, rescues him, and then says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? It is I. I am. With you. So be encouraged this morning. Fear is a choice in the midst of a sinking feeling, but don't let it determine the outcome. Trust in God. Trust also in me, says our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't predict how the Lord is going to intervene, but you can know this, that while you are rowing for all your worth in some desperate situation in your life, it is not unknown to God. So set the sails of your soul and keep your eyes and your ears open for Jesus will come to your boat in the most unimaginable way with a steadying hand and an unwavering resolve to deliver you. Isaiah put it this way. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine, and when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. So take heart, says the Lord. It is I. Do not be afraid. Just like Peter, Jesus can secure our faltering faith too. Thanks be to God. Amen.